cliffcentral.com. Hello and welcome to another In Conference with Michael Jackson right here on cliffcentral.com. This is the show where you get to meet the people that I'm lucky enough to meet on my world of conference travels. They're generally authors, famous lecturers, entrepreneurs, wow, you name it, we bring them to you. And I'm particularly delighted that my guest for this particular podcast um, ticks a number of boxes for me in terms of being a guest on the show as a regular guest would. But he's also somebody that I met recently when he launched one of his new books, because I've got a little bit of a passion into history, particularly in South Africa, and I specialize in the Mpumalanga region. But I'm going to introduce you to a man who has been a journalist, he's an author, he's extremely well-known. Hell, his ancestors even have a town named after them in South Africa. It's David Hilton Barber, who's a fourth-generation South African of 1820 settler stock. Um, well-known journalist, well-known author. David, what a pleasure to track you down from a secret location somewhere in your retirement. Um, I'm delighted to have you with us on the show, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I looked at you. I attended your book launch, read your book recently, and we'll talk about the books that you've written. Um, but first and foremost, I wanted to think about the, the journalistic side of things, because your family does go way back in South Africa. And in fact, your maternal great grandfather, Frederick St. Ledger, was the founder and editor of the Cape Times. So you've almost got journalism in your genes, really, haven't you? <laughs> Well, yes, um, I did study, uh, I, I attended a cadet course, as you did in those days. After my university degree, I took, I took English and history at Rhodes and then joined the Argus group, as it then was, in Rhodesia. And uh, I took a cadet course and was posted to a, a country newspaper way up in, in Indola, as a junior reporter. But yes, uh, training as a journalist and then spending a, a good deal of my career in the public relations and advertising field. Yes. Uh, writing, of course, has always been my, my, uh, my passion. Uh, I write, I now write non-fiction historical books on people, places and events. Uh, I have my own uh, publishing imprint, which is Footprints Press, uh, which is a name I've adopted because my first couple of books were titled uh, Footprints in the Low Felt uh, and another area, Footprints in Zanin. And, and the number of books that I've published are available through, through my website. But I also do editing. Uh, uh, I've, I've become a member of the um, Professional Editors Guild and, and edit books by third-party uh, authors, which is another string uh, to my bow, I guess. And, and these books are, can be published through my, my imprint of footprints. I love that. Now, let, let's go back and look at each of those in the, in the brief time that we've got together today. Um, the journalism thing in, it, in its heyday, um, in the good old days of journalism, let's call it that, um, journalism has come a long, long way, not necessarily for the better um, in modern times. You know, do you think the standard of South African journalism, in your personal opinion, is anywhere near as good as it perhaps ought to be by your own standards in the in today's era? I suppose the answer must be no, but but things have changed, and and the newspaper no longer fulfills the role that it did in our day. Uh, a newspaper was uh, relied on to to bring you. Uh, up-to-date contemporary uh, news and information, whereas today there, there's a, a, a variety of other uh, media that you can access. 
uh, which is quicker and, and uh, uh, it's, it's easier to uh, assess. So it has changed. Also, newspapers have had to cut down a lot because of, of the economics of the, of the matter. Mm. And, and uh, whereas in the past, you could employ uh, senior journalists who had their own beat, as to, uh, so to speak, now, now you have young men and women that, that have to cover a wide variety of subjects that they're no, no longer able to get really to grips with them. And it's a day-to-day sort of uh, battle to, to get, get hold of the news and get it back to the office. Because very few members of the public realize that newspapers relied on classical advertising in order yes. to build the newsrooms that they had, didn't they? Yes, and, and that's drying up or it's, it's reduced. And what do and you of think of the costs uh, of production are going up? Absolutely. Now, what do you think of you know the president of the U.S., the carrot-topped Donald Trump, talking about fake news on a continuous basis? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be drawn into that. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's a he's a bit of a maverick, but um, uh, he has created quite a stir. A bit of a newspaper that. man's dream in the old-fashioned sense of it. But let's focus on the fake news side. I mean, you know, people tend to be gullible. Let's face it. Most people, my friends on Facebook, seem to battle to understand the difference between real, genuine information and what's become known colloquially as fake news. Why is that, David? Why is it? I suppose sensationalism takes over. Uh, it's, it's quick to grab one's attention. Um, <laughs> this is the age of consumerism, I suppose. Uh, e- easy to get, easy to process, uh, maybe hopefully easy to forget. But uh, it, it, it is uh, a trend that we're going through, and, and maybe it will change. Uh, the the, the uh, assuming assumption or the consumption of, of information has changed completely, and, and we're in a different field now. I mean, you moved from newspapers into PR. Let's move into that world for a second. How do you feel about PR people today? Do you think they've got a tough job? Yes, they have. But it is important. Uh, the old um, philosophy of public relations was was to communicate the news uh, or, or the the information from from the business world. Business people are often reluctant to enter into uh, the communication area because it's not really their scene. Uh, whereas uh, the opponents of business are quick to grab uh, attention, and and one needs to have uh, a balancing. Um, situation where, where, where the, 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 the information can be presented fairly and accurately from the other side. It's a tough assignment nonetheless, though, in this day and age. Do you, are yes. you glad that you've retired so effectively from that PR world, other than being uh, your own uh, PR? Yes, I, I ran my own company for some years. It was very stimulating, and, and I met uh, a lot of, of, of uh, remarkable people and uh, was involved in a number of, of interesting events. Uh, I, I don't, um, I, for a moment, uh, regret the, the, the choice that I made. Uh, but, yes, it was a relief when I retired, and I could put my attention wholly into, into writing, which is what I'm doing now. And, and in retirement... Um, this is the time when you can uh, use your time uh, in the way that you want to and, and uh, spend uh, hours of the day 
uh, doing things that you like rather than what you have to do. And as you say, non-fiction history is your particular passion. I share that yes, passion I... with you empathetically. I mean, as you know, but our audience won't, is that Barberton, a town named after your ancestors, the gold rush of 1884 into Barberton, literally was, was discovered, the gold was discovered in that region by two of your ancestors, the Barber, the Barber brothers, um, and a chap called Henry Reimer. The town of Barberton is there. I mean, it's just, you know, you've written books about the Lofelt. You've written books about Zanin. You've written books about, oh, gosh, growing up in the people in the Karoo. You know, nonfiction history, is, is that your bag now? Is that what you most love because yes. it excites yes. me? Non um, I'd like to quote Margaret Atwood, the Canadian novelist. She's a, she's a novelist, uh, not a historian, but she, she writes, the past no longer belongs only to those who lived in it. The past belongs to those who claim it and are willing to explore it and infuse it with meaning for those alive today. Now, that's what I like. It's, it sort of puts it all in a nutshell. But getting back to Barberton, the Barber brothers didn't actually discover the gold. They were hunters. They were farmers in the Eastern Cape. And they would, they would leave their farms and their wives uh, and go on a trek for months at a time on, on hunting expeditions way up or way down into the low felt. And it, it was it was an in coincidence that the, their their area that they always camped at, Barber's Spun, was the location of this gold rush. And uh, when the mining commissioner from Pretoria came down to to register the claims, he stayed with the Barbers at Barber's Spun, and it was called it was a, a, an easy move from there to call the place Barberton. But the Barber brothers, they didn't stay as gold miners. They were essentially farmers and, and explorers. Uh, and they had a number of escapades thereafter. Indeed, they did, traveling north and, and traveling across. I'm not sure if I'd been them that I would have left those very rich gold fields. <laughs> would you have left the gold fields? Would you have stayed? I mean, gold is obviously something that intrigues you. You've written about Heinertsburg. Uh, there's gold yeah. up there. You've written about the Tati concession. Uh, some phenomenal gold yeah. stories that built this country. Do you regret yeah. not being in those times? I, I do. I, I do. The Tati concession is a very interesting one. I went to school at Plumtree uh, in Rhodesia, which was the last or the first entry point from Botswana. Uh, it's on the railway line, and the next town is Francistown, and that is the, the, the scene of the Tati concession. Mm. Uh, as as schoolboys, we used to get on the train and go down to Francistown and play cricket. It was only a stone's throw away, really. But, but Francistown, uh, the Tati concession was granted by Loban Guller to, uh, to an English baronet, Sir John Swinburne. It was the first gold rush in Southern Africa, and it was intriguing, and it was really a wonderful part of history. Well before Botswana became a Botswana land or protectorate, um, uh, and Kruger was still looking to expand westwards, and Rhodes was dreaming of his, his Cape to Cairo railway, all of these things uh, were coming together at that historic time when, when uh, this, this uh, gold rush occurred. So, yeah, uh, it, it's a fascinating but, uh, part of history. I think you've got gold in your blood, literally, as well as figuratively, <laughs> haven't you? Yeah. It is, it's a remarkable thing. I mean, the, the books, you enjoy writing them, but, you know, I went to your book launch of, of your last book, funnily enough, in Barberton, and, I mean, people were kind of intrigued. Everybody to want to rush up and meet you, and how do, how do they find you? Because we, we've got about three minutes left before we've got to say farewell for this episode. But, I mean, where, where do people go and find out more about the man from the news that became a PR consultant that became an, <laughs> well, a best-selling author? 
Yeah, I think Google my name, David Hilton Barber, and, and you, you get access to my website, which lists the nine books I've published, and they are available um, uh, mostly by, by co- contacting me. Uh, today, one, one doesn't easily get into the, the, uh, the book chains, the exclusives, uh, and so on, uh, as, as a non, uh, not a well-known author or who one, one who hasn't got a wide readership. I'm, I'm a niche writer, really. And like you say, in, in Barberton, the people of the area were interested. People interested in history will always find the, the, the information that they need. Uh, and, and I market my books myself uh, qu- quite a lot of the time, which is uh, an added interest because it gets you involved with your public and your readership. Attending book fairs and, and, and giving talks at, at Friends of the Library uh, and and uh, interested parties, uh, book clubs, uh, that's what I like to do. I love it. And that's from Footprints Press as well, David's own label in terms of Mr. Hilton Barber's books. Google this man. He is absolutely fascinating. David, we could talk for hours. Sadly, Gareth Cliff only gives me 15 minutes, which is not fair, really, because, you know, having met you, having interviewed you now, having had you as a guest on the show, I mean, it's just an absolute joy. Your family is legendary, uh, not only from great settler stock, but proud South Africans. I know that uh, people in your family are also massively involved in the media to this day. I hope people go and look you up now. David Hilton Barber on Google. Buy at least one of those nine books. Sit back and have a bloody good historical read and change your perspective about things. David, I have to sadly say farewell, but honestly, sir, a real privilege and pleasure to have you on the program with us today. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. And that's In Conference with Michael Jackson right here on your favorite podcast platform in his best James Earl Jones voice. This is CliffCentral.com. Thank you for being with us. CliffCentral.com.